You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen Podcast. I'm your host, Solus, and welcome to episode 48 that I probably should have called the Idris, but I use that for episode 47. <laughs> um... Yeah, so there was a lot of ups and downs last week, uh, well, really two weeks ago, about the Idris coming out with a Rosino threat. Check out last week's episode if you want all of that information and that drama. Um, but I called it the Idris because of all the speculation and the Twitch drops that CIG posted. Lo and behold, this week was the Inside Star Citizen interior walkthrough with the Idris. So I'm calling this week community for for very important reasons. Um, let's, let, let's just actually start there. Mm, let's start with the agenda items. <laughs> so on this week in Beyond the First Star Citizen podcast, uh, you can expect to get around the community. Um, we'll get into some of the fundraiser uh, success stories we had there. Um, it is March 1st, so we're going to go through February uh, a February show review and look at those KPIs and metrics for those of you who care. Uh, but then we'll get into the news of this week in Star Citizen. So we'll talk about upcoming uh, increases the ship prices, Juptown 2.1 dropped, Inside Star Citizen again, cover the interior of the Idris, can't wait to get into that with you, which plays into the title of this week's episode called Community. Um, that is going to be a community capital ship with with all, all meanings of those words. Uh, and then we'll end, for those of you lore junkies out there, we will end with the Galactopedia update that has some Squadron 42 spoilers. So stick around for that. Uh, but let's get into around the community or feedback from the community. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's just start with some of the story, some some of the background. Um, our good friends over at Space Tomato, so both him and his wife, um, he guest showed on one of my shows. I was able to guest show on one of his shows. Uh, we have a really good you know friendship, and he's meant a lot to the Star Citizen community. I don't think you can uh, be a part of Star Citizen or watch socials or watch anything on YouTube and not be familiar with who Space Tomato is. Uh, and his wife is a lovely, lovely person who uh, has helped coordinate you know, the interactions between me and Space and the things that happen on his show. Um, she's 
she's a lovely person and supports him in every way imaginable. So unfortunately, through the Christmas holidays and through January, they were visiting family here in the States. And when they returned back to Turkey, they they came um, they came home to a total destruction, floors, structural damage, all their PC components. I mean, this is their livelihood, right? Um, so I felt called and I'm trying to remember like my decision making process, but I felt called um, to do something about it. I don't have uh, all the money in the world. I, I consider myself blessed, um, obviously, um, and fortunate and, and whatever you want to call it. But um, I wanted to set up the avenue for everybody else to be able to support as well. Um, so I decided to to create a GoFundMe, and I did. I talked I talked with Space Tomato and made sure that everything was kosher and 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 uh, appropriate for what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, but we set up a GoFundMe, and, and here's the deal: like I did a quick little appraisal uh, here in the states on what it would cost to redo flooring, structural damage. PC parts. I mean, my PC alone was like almost $3,000 and that was several, several years ago. So that plus flooring, I I kind of made an arbitrary goal of $5,000 and I thought that would take care of, again, the PCs and the structural damage. And in less than 24 hours, over more than 120 donations, we raised $5,000 five hundred and ninety nine dollars uh that uh it i don't know there's no other anecdote or story that that more defines the term community in my mind um this was a story about family coming together friends coming together to show their appreciation and i had to tell space this um in a direct message but um that we want to give it's 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 not a matter it's it's not a matter of give us the actual budget and let's get down to the scent and make sure that everything's covered people just continuously wanted to give and wanted to bless this family and it was very humbling to see that number rise right and again less than 24 hours um, you our listeners our viewers over on youtube you were able to help a family in need but it didn't come without a little drama. <laughs> it's not the star citizen community if there's not a little drama. Um, for the most part, 99.9% of this is a phenomenal story. It's a phenomenal story. A lot of uplifting, great, great anecdotes. Go check out um, our social media. Go check out Space Tomato social media. It's great. But you had like one person. <laughs> maybe two I don't know I'm being I'm being gracious by adding one but pretty pretty sure it was just one person um, who had the tenacity to to degrade the situation and to bring up enterprise from what, last year and how no one came to help out enterprise um, I I have to address this I I have to I addressed it on social media I'm kind of sad I'm giving it clout here on this podcast but I have to address this I I did address the enterprise situation back in episode 19 go check it out I do my homework I am meticulous when it comes to to recording everything Um, episode 19 I did a uh, a a stream um, a, a screen share of enterprises twitch 
and, or not Twitch, but uh, Twitter. And I talked about, you know, hey, let's go and support him. And I raised, uh, I raised it in the spotlight. Here's the deal though. In episode 19, I didn't have the platform that I do now. And so I wanted to help, I wanted to shine, shine light on it, but I knew me starting a GoFundMe or something along those lines, it would fall flat, it wouldn't do anything. Um, but I did, and the community did come through for Enterprise, and he's very gracious, uh, or grateful. He responded, um, he responded back to that post a couple of days ago saying how welcomed and how humbled he was and how blessed he was from the Star Citizen community. So I guess the PSA I have here, um, do better <laughs> not not like not like do better with your insults but how about be better just be a better person it doesn't matter even if no one came and helped out literally anybody else we should be happy when it does happen we should be happy for space tomato and his wife we should be happy that that's one less family that has to go through some bullshit that is out of their control and again because of y'all listeners viewers we were able to help them out so this is more about y'all i set you know the ship in motion but y'all were the ocean that kept it afloat right there's that for an analogy <laughs> y'all did it you did it so thank you so much um along those same lines it is march 1st um and so i do want to and i do this every uh i do this every episode or every month uh, but i want to give a status of our show so first off the numbers are staggering for me. We're still not at a year old. We're in the month of our anniversary. So March 19th is uh, the anniversary of Beyond the Verse podcast. Um, but up to this point, 11 months into the show, 47 episodes, nine bonus episodes, and you're looking at it right now on YouTube, um, you're looking at our performance. And again, I do this, just a reminder, I do this not for clout, um, I really know, for no real business reason, I'm not trying to make thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars doing my podcast, I do it for the passion, for the love of creating content, but I do this as a celebration for you, as a celebration for the community. You are these numbers, not, not me. Again, I'm the platform, I talk into a microphone and it sounds cool. You are the listeners that take this out into your communities and spread the word. So on podcast, we're at 16.3 thousand plays. And it's gotten to the point now where I don't even, I can't even fathom I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> I can't even imagine like a stadium or some, you know, or something with 16.3 thousand people in there just listening. 16.3 thousand plays and that's lifetime in the month of february we had 23.9 thousand impressions across 56 countries again i can't i mean i can look at a globe and say all right 56 countries covers you know this much of the globe but that's that's a incredible number of you that are listening to the show 56 countries and across seven platforms and that's just the podcast Let's get into YouTube. We hit 500 subscribers yesterday. So literally February 29th on the leap day of the year, 500 subscribers. And for the lifetime of YouTube, 439.5 thousand impressions, 33.3 thousand views, 1.6 thousand watch hours in over 24 countries. Twitter, 1.3 thousand followers in the month of February, 165.9 thousand impressions, 4.2% engagement rate, 2.8 thousand likes, 
251 replies, 413 retweets, and 746 link clicks. These numbers are insane to me. And there was a point in the uh, maybe two or three months into the podcast where it was it was tangible. Like I, I, I could picture, you know, okay, I got this like cool group of, you know, friends that are following and then it grew and I was like, okay, all right, well, I'm doing something right. These numbers at, at this point kind of mean nothing to me. 746 link clicks. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy in one month. TikTok, 685 followers in the month of February, 7.5 thousand video views, 5.5 thousand reach, 50 profile views, 232 likes, and 41 comments. Last, Instagram, kind of our, I guess, redheaded stepchild, (laughs) Uh, 204 followers in the month of February, 1.9 thousand impressions, and over 465 accounts reached. And of course, I always have a little section in the bottom right of this infographic for special guests, right? Just to keep um, a historical uh, reference or document for who has special guested on the show. And again, that's Conniff, Jorah and the Astropub, Blasphemous, Authentic Young, Star Jump, Galactica, and Space Tomato. And by the way, a formal request has been put in for Jared Huckabee to be part of this podcast. So stand by for that. I went through Spectrum, uh, not Spectrum, but the uh, ticket system on the RSI's website. We're going to try to get Jared on uh, and learn more about who he is in his role in, in, uh, in Star Citizen. So we'll sp- We'll see what happens. <laughs> so again, um, for no business reason, it, I do call it uh, our value proposition, but um, it goes on a pinned tweet on the profile. And when I do reach out, I usually provide that infographic um, you know, for content creators, for developers, uh, for any sort of marketing event at, as a way to show the clout, right? To, to demonstrate what we're capable and our reach, your reach as the Beyond the Verse podcast community. You can kind of sense a theme here. I'm calling this episode community for a reason. All right, let's get into the Q&A and polls for last week's episode 47, the Idris and Star Citizen. Um, I asked you, the listener, how do you feel about the Capture the Idris event to include the video contest? Drama, 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 drama. All right, Uh, let's get into the quotes first. I'll respond and then kind of my reactions to capture the address. So let's let's uh, let's do this. All right. Nora, quote, ships as a grand prize seems great for game hype. Some people will love fighting the whole server trying to win. Personally, I like the Halloween helmet event more because I actually have a chance. And I think that's kind of the overall sentiment, having a chance to get inside of the address. So let me just tell you my story real quick. Um, last week's episode, we record on Friday mornings as always. Friday was the launch of Capture the Address. So I had zero reaction to the event. It literally launched like maybe 10 or 15 minutes before I started recording. And so uh, it, it looked cool on paper couldn't wait let's do this got into the game and was i tried twice the first night that i tried i spent 30 minutes server hopping and i think that is the vast majority of you out there so for 30 minutes i went from server to server to server just looking for the priority mission to drop on my hud never saw it once 
for 30 minutes and that's not that long some of you tried for hours but that first night 30 minutes tried to find just the mission alone could not find it so I kind of gave up throughout the next couple of days I was like Friday night so Saturday I, I, I read the firestorm that was going on social media no one could find it when they could find it all these issues and so I lost all motivation to try to find the address, to try to board the address, just to see the interior. Here's the deal. I have an address. I've got the JPEG. It's a very expensive JPEG, but I've got the JPEG. <laughs> I even have the aftermarket kit. Cool. I don't need to win shit. I don't need to. Don't need it. I'm blessed in that sense where I, I have it and will someday, well, my kids someday will have access to the address. <laughs> I just wanted to see the damn interior and shame on me for thinking that somebody would bore the address, take it over and control it and just let it, uh, let the community have at it, right? Hey, come board, come tour the address. This is super exciting. Yeah, no, like I think maybe one content creator posted a video of that happening. Um, but for the most part, people would take it over, then they would just hop from QT to QT or jump point to jump point. Um, they would stop in mid space. And then Tyler Whitkin comes on social media and clarifies, it's not how much time you control the Idris period. It's how much time you control the Idris in combat. So here's what would happen. They would tell part of their org members uh, where they were and you know, people not in their party, but in the org would go and do a little pop shot. They'd come by, fly, hit it a couple of times to count, right? To count the ticker, to count as combat. Uh, and then they would fly to the next jump point or the next location. So they would tell a distance and direction. They would go, they would sync up and say, all right, uh, coming out of QT, three, two, one, boom. And they'd come out of QT. That same org member, not part of the party would go and shoot them a couple of times, count as a combat ticker, and they would just keep going. So gamers will be gamers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Gamers will be gamers. They will game the system. And that's fine. This is not me bitching. Like, I, I'm just telling you a story. This is what happens. And so it felt very reminiscent of last year's golden ticket, the F8C golden ticket. Um, a lot of people complained that it was a streamer contest and a content creator contest. And, you know, people complain. I've said it like, I think maybe once, but the, uh, the ship showdown event is like a popularity contest. Um, they who have the most followers or the most in their organization will probably win because they're putting everybody towards one vote. You saw it because the character didn't win and there's no excuse for the character not winning, not winning, um, not to get it in that soapbox for this episode. But, um, so, so the firestorm, the streamer firestorm, the content creator firestorm, the large organization firestorm. Well, I ended up trying again on Sunday and I actually found it. So I got the mission. I found it. Um, it was again, chasing from point to point and they would lie. They would say, okay, we're going to stop here for a couple of minutes. Everybody, you know, try to come as fast as you can. Then you'd get there, but then they'd slowly move and then they fly off because you have to EVA your way onto the ship. The garage was full of destroyed vehicles. So you'd have to get close enough to EVA onto the ship. Okay. Um, I got on it. I finally got on it and I'm trying to remember how, oh, somebody with a mantis, somebody with a mantis quantum dampened or, you know, 
uh, yeah, I guess quantum dampened, where it couldn't move for a couple of seconds or minutes, and I was able to get close enough to get on. Uh, I was I evade into the garage. I got just to the stairwell. And then once they QT'd again, I like glitched through the floor and was floating in mid-space, um, in the middle of space. So there's there's my story. It is what it is. I was a little upset, again, Friday and Sunday. I was a little upset that it didn't happen. At the end of the day, though, pff, I don't know. I don't think I care. Um, I know it's coming. I know it's soon. <laughs> Trademark. I know it's soon. Um but I didn't really think too much of it. But then on Monday, this week in Star Citizen comes out and announces that Inside Star Citizen would have a developer walkthrough of the interior. Done. That's all I wanted. <laughs> so I'm a happy camper, right? When they announced that Inside Star Citizen was going to walk through and show pictures and talk about it, done. That's, that's exactly what I wanted out of this event. So I told you I would not do that right in the middle of Q&A. <laughs> but Nora, you made that comment and I wanted to respond. So there's my reactions. Uh, let's go back to the Q&A to a disowned. Disowned, quote, could the event be better and more inclusive? Yes. I wish everyone had equal chance at finding the event, however. Uh, the excitement of finally locating it was thrilling. We will have more opportunities. Absolutely. And disowned was actually with me whenever I made it on to... Uh, the address for like, I don't know, 10 seconds. <laughs> so it was fun. It was kind of a neat little org event. So there's three of us or four of us that were um, hopping from location to location. And so we were on Discord and, you know, of course, had our had our venting session there. Groza, quote, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> you know, we server hopped for a bit and then we said, screw it. I had a great night multi-crewing the A2 and doing all sorts of different missions as a team. It was a blast. Thank you, Idris event. What a phenomenal response. I not only like Groza, he's not only a, uh, a beloved member of our organization, um, but in, in an unbiased, I love that response. Screw it. You didn't get your FHC Lightning ticket? Cool. You had another opportunity a couple weeks ago. Uh, and there's going to be more opportunities moving forward. You didn't get to board the Idris? That's fine. That's fine. In a couple of months, the Idris will be out. And somebody on the server will have one and say, hey, come to this Armistice Zone. Check it out. Have a great time. Right? Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to be this guy. But it's, it's like when gamers, really when anybody, let's just get really fundamental here. It's almost like, um, it's almost like the story of, um, of the person, you know, on the train, you know, I'm going to be happy when I get to my next stop. I want to be happy when I get to, you know, when I become 13, I'm a teenager. I'm going to be happy when I become 21 and I can drink alcohol. I'm going to be happy when I get married. I'm going to be happy when I have kids. I'm going to be happy whenever I have a job. I'm going to be happy when I have grandkids. I'm going to be happy when I'm on my deathbed and I'm saying bye to everybody. And you've ridden this train that has never stopped and you've never been fully happy. Right? I kind of think that's how some of us are viewing Star Citizen. I'm not going to be happy until the F8 comes out. I heard it's coming out. It's going to be so awesome. The F8 comes out, and now we're like, okay, what's next? I feel like people didn't 
didn't, you know, cherish the fact that the F8 that has been teased for several years was was now out. There was more bitching about the the way the ticket system worked than it was about, hey, we finally have this amazing ship. And then people have forgotten about it. They're like, okay, back back to business as usual. Once they launch the Idris, it's over. There's no more Idris capital hype. There's no more, you know, the Idris has a freaking gun range in it. It's got a gem in it. It's got all these things that don't exist in other ships. It comes out, we're going to be fun, or we're going to have fun with it for like a week, maybe two weeks. And then it's, then it's old news again. Maybe only like 100 people would have it on a server whenever they're server meshing, a dynamic server meshing. Maybe 100 people or less would have the Idris. It's going to be rare but you'll probably end up being able to buy it in game at some point. It's gonna be gone. This this fun, this excitement is all gonna be gone. Squadron 42, it's finally gonna be coming out. If not this year, the next or whatever. It's gonna finally come out. Once it's out, you're gonna beat it in five hours. And then you're gonna what? You're gonna, I can't wait until episode two. Enjoy the ride. And, and Groza's, Groza's quotes, you know, we server hot for a bit, then we said, screw it, and then had a great time. That is how you should be approaching Star Citizen, and really life in general, but back to gaming. <laughs> That's how you should be enjoying Star Citizen, because once it is released, once Pyro's here, once it's all live, it's just another game. Last quote, Dakota Riley, quote, frustrated and disappointed. Yes, the concept of the event was amazing, but the ship wasn't spawning much. And when you did get a server with one, people in control kept jumping for hours or it got rammed. Yeah, and I think, um, again, the title of this episode is Community. There are some toxic um, there are some toxic people in the community. I know of a lot of situations where people would ask the community to come on board, right? And then as a pilot, they would self-destruct. <sighs> uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how I want to respond to that. It's, it is what it is. Can you self-destruct? Yes. So is that a game loop that should be allowed? Okay, that's fine. No, no one's going to police it. But is it a, a pretty shitty thing to do? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, episode 47, polls. We asked, what is your preferred archetype of flight combat? Again, Inside Star Citizen last week talked about master modes. Um, and so I asked that question and provided snub fighter, light fighter, medium fighter, heavy fighter, gunboat, and frigate. And uh, yeah, no one voted for frigate because those don't exist right now in the game. That makes total sense, right? Uh, but we did have the winner as 42.9% heavy fighter. So heavy fighter, Scorpius, uh, the F8C, right? Just to name two of them, but heavy fighters, that's 42.9%. In second place, 35.7% light fighters. So I'm thinking the arrow, the gladius, and then a 7.1% medium fighter. This is kind of funny. I, I think that's a hurricane. Hurricane might be heavy, but like, I don't do medium fighters. I actually don't I can't name <laughs> I can't name off the top of my head like a medium fighter uh, that's embarrassing 
Anyways, Gunboat and Snub Fighter came uh, as a tie at seven point in Medium Fighter. All three were seven point one percent. So Snub Fighter, that's like your um, Archimedes that's attached to your Galact. Uh, wow, attached to your um, your Phoenix uh, or your Constellation. That'd be a Snub Fighter. Your MX, your Fury MX, your Furies, those are Snub Fighters. And then your Gunboats is like the Redeemer. Um, I actually love the Redeemer. I know the Astro Historian does not like the Redeemer. I, I like it. Um, and then no one voted for the Frigate because those don't exist. All right, we're like, I don't know, a quarter into the podcast, and we're just now getting into This Week in Star Citizen. So thanks for bearing with me. Um, again, the, the theme of this is community, so we're going to keep jumping back and forth. We're going to be covering This Week in Star Citizen. We're going to talk about uh, price increases for ships, Jump Town 2.1, which was the theme of last night's Orgnite. Go check out Orgnite episode 10. It was a phenomenal two hours. Uh, we'll talk about that when that part of the podcast comes up inside star citizen and then we will end with the galactopedia update sharing my screen for those of you on youtube quote happy monday everyone we hope you had a stellar weekend in the verse our capture the interest event continues through february 27th it's over with at this point so there's still some time left to take control of the behemoth yourself we've had a blast no pun intended watching many of you take the wheel and fend off waves of other players looking to board from screenshots videos and all of the valuable feedback presented we've thoroughly enjoyed soaking it all in and already have ideas on how we'll improve and expand future events is Jumptown safe? Gear up and find out this Tuesday. Whether you're a responsible civilian, responsible civilian holding the law, uh, or a rambunctious rascal looking to cash out with a contraband, we'll see you planet side. As we march on towards Alpha 323, last week, we took a look at some of the features and changes that will be introduced in this update. Inside Star Citizen explored master modes and how the upcoming changes will transform combat, and we followed up with the developers creating the distribution centers, who answered the community's questions on Star Citizen Live. In case you missed it, we also announced the biggest celebration of all things Star Citizen and you, our epic community. So save the date for this year's CitizenCon in October. I'm wearing the shirt for those of you on YouTube <laughs> that came out for the last CitizenCon. We can't wait to see you there. If October feels too far away for your next hangout with other like-minded people, you can check out Bar Citizen for events near you. We hear there's going to be one happening in Manchester this Saturday, and we'll be there. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, and again, unfortunately, I will not be going to Citizen Con this year because my wife and kids deserve uh, that budget. <laughs> I, I don't, it's not that I can't afford it. I don't want to afford going uh, to this year's Citizen Con, but we'll do a live stream. We'll do something fun um, from a, a community standpoint. All right, so this week, Monday, we had this article drop Tuesday. Lore post, was, which is the Galactopedia update. Jumptown Global Event started uh, Thursday. Inside Star Citizen comes out. We'll watch that together here in a couple minutes. The Jump Point February issue, I checked before recording. It's, it's Friday right now. Um, I checked before this recording, and it's still not published. So Jump Point February 2024 has not been published yet. And then Friday, the RSI, so later today, the RSI Weekly Newsletter, there is not a Star Citizen Live episode this week. So there you go. And while I'm here, I'm just going to do one more check. I'm going to go to accounts, subscribers, because I want to give you the latest and greatest when you're listening to this podcast. So jump point, jump point issue 1106, December 2023. 
So it's still not published at the time of recording this episode. For those of you on YouTube, I'm sharing my screen, just there you go. So subscribers, there's your jump points. I love the jump points. They do a lot of work putting these together. It's great aesthetically, beautiful images, great stories if you wanna know the background of, of some of these things. Um, so I'm looking forward to that when it comes out, so. Okay, price adjustments. I mean, I guess I could share my screen. It's it's just a quick little announcement, but just kind of a larger, um, just a larger conversation here. So, quote, upcoming Anvil Hornet price adjustments. Seize your chance to secure the current prices of the Anvil Hornet F7C, the Hornet F7C S Ghost, and the Hornet F7C R Tracker before prices will be adjusted after the Jumptown event ends on March 11th. So, I guess, I don't know, I don't have a problem with this. Uh, again, social media, it, you know, CIG uh, is trying to milk us for all of our money. What are we getting for the increase uh, cost of these ships? Well, which I think that might be a more fair question. Like, uh, maybe a why they're increasing would be a nice additive if CIG would consider that. Hey, this is increasing because, and, and, and they can be as honest as they want to be, right? It's increasing because inflation. The F7C Hornet's been out for a long time now, um, and it should be cheaper years ago than it is today. So just tell, just tell, just, just tell us, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> just tell us it's because of inflation, or maybe there's additional features that the Hornet is getting. Maybe it's you know now that we have the Scout, um, the Cutter Scout with the new you know radar system coming in um, with patch 323 I think it's 323 but you have all these like new things maybe I don't know maybe the tracker has more updates but give us kind of more of a reason why um, this happens I think last year like the Cutlass the Cutlass got an increase a couple of other ships got an increase um, I think we need to be okay with this but 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 meet us halfway CIG like as a community, we should be okay with inflation, things costing more than it did 10 years ago. Roger, I think we can all stomach that, right? It's a business. Just tell us why. Take that extra couple seconds and tell us why. Um, let me know your thoughts. I, I'm probably gonna ask that at the end of this podcast um, and the Spotify, just what are your thoughts on price increases overall? Ships, maybe the game, I don't know, everything in general, what are our thoughts? Yes. All right, let's fast forward to Jumptown. Again, Jumptown, Inside Star Citizen, Galactopedia update, and we'll wrap up the podcast. Last night's Org Night. Let me just put this up on a shared screen for the aesthetics. Uh, last night's Org Night, phenomenal. Please go check it out. Two hours worth of us and our shenanigans. Um, it was great. We writ, uh, written, wow. We wrote an entire operation order, um, planned it out. I did a reconnaissance mission earlier yesterday where I flew the Eclipse, just like the first time we did Jump Town. So I took the Eclipse, got my eyes on the objective, radioed into my Discord, you know, hey, scene safe, everything looks great. And then the whole, like, it's just, it's so sexy, guys. Like, I'm in my Eclipse looking at Jump Town, I radio it in, and like my entire fleet just flies overhead. See an A2, an M2, C1, uh, eight freaking, you know, combat ships flying in. Um, it was a really really awesome experience. And it was on the, the Moon Walla, 
in Arcorp. So the Moonwalla on Paradise Cove in the middle of nowhere, out in the open, right? So there was no cover and concealment, um, which meant amazing screenshots, great visibility. And that's what it ended up being for two hours. We rotated in and out. We ran maze into ships. We took them to Beijing Point. Uh, we did come in contact with two enemy. And here, here's the deal. Here's my, here's my concept, right? If we arrive onto Jump Town and you're already there, you're dead. We're not going to ask whether or not you're, you're, you know, you're safe. I am not going to get 16 of members of my org killed by one person because we're trying to play safe, right? We know we're going to be there for two hours. We know we're going to hold the fort down. We're going to kill you if you're there, straight up right? We're not going to ask if the scene is safe. We're not going to knock on a door and say, Hey, are you friendly? Because nine times out of 10, you're going to say you're friendly. You're going to do the friendly spin, right? In the community, there's, there's something common called the, the, the friendly spin. You're going to spin. Then once we turn our backs, you're shooting us in the back of the face, right? So we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> so, so we get there. Um, the, the scene is actually safe. No one's, no one's on ground. So we just, we occupy we start running maze. Um, and then we had one person show up in an F8C and they were peaceful at first. Now here's again, a caveat. If we're already occupying and you show up, we're going to show our presence. You're going to know that we're there. We're not going to hide anywhere. You're going to know we're there and we're going to basically like follow you guns drawn. We're not going to pull any triggers, but the moment you do something stupid, we're executing, right? So these are concepts in soul provision that we're executing. Um, it's just the way we have to do business. Cause I'm not going to get 16 of us killed. If you're an org, member, if you're an org organizer, um, you know what that means. When you get your entire org killed, it kind of kills the entire mood for the entire night and you have to reset and the planning and communication, all that goes right out the window. So if we're already there and you show up, cool, welcome in, but we're going to follow you. And that's what we did for the first person. They jumped in, they were following around, but then they like, <laughs> all right, they drew their rifle and they pointed it at one of our org members. All right, in the military, we say shout, shove, show, shoot. That's the escalation of force. Shout, show, shove, shoot. If you're pulling a weapon out on us, we always have to be engaged one level further or you're dead, right? So if, if someone's shouting at you, you've gotta be shoving. You always have to be one level of escalation more than your enemy or you're dead. So if you pull your rifle out, we're putting rounds down range. And that's what we did, we executed. Uh, so that person got um, canceled. <laughs> uh, then the second time, very similar situation. Somebody shows up in F8C, we're like, hey, that's interesting. Uh, so we buzzed them, we like stayed around them. It's okay, they can land and do whatever they wanna do. We're not gonna be aggressive at first. But the moment he, he targets one of us, one of us got targeted. We canceled him and it was fun. Like we chased him with like eight different ships. <laughs> so it was a really fun, like that eh, you messed around and found out. So I, that dynamic is super fun. I think that's the best balance, right? We're, we're probably really aggressive when we first show up cause we got to take it over and protect what's ours. But I think it's a good balance afterwards. When someone shows up, we have a security detail that attaches themselves to the, the guest. Um, and you can, again, do whatever the hell you wanna do. We're not gonna stop you. We're not gonna block you. We're not gonna be that organization. But do something stupid. 
and watch 16 of us uh, put rounds down range. All right, Jump Town. <laughs> I don't know. That's a pretty good summation um, of, of Jump Town. It's a really awesome opportunity. Puts the entire server basically in one location around Stanton and just shoves PvP uh, into a, a game loop. So this happens so frequently. I don't think I need to go line by line um, and get into like what it is or how it is or who it is. Um, I, I could just tell you that that was the first time of me doing it on Walla. Uh, at Paradise Cove, and it was amazing. It was beautiful, great screenshots, awesome. Let's talk about the dates real quick. Um, it started again February 27th. It ends March 11th, and the locations run approximately 15 hours. So, quote, each time list represents a location change, and each location runs approximately 15 hours. And the location switches every morning at 8 a.m. Pacific or 10 a.m. Central, U.S. Central. And like with every other Jump Town event, it comes with 19 vehicles on the pledge store. Let's just go through them real quick. The A1 Spirit, the A2 Hercules, the Ballista, the C1 Spirit, C2 Hercules, C8R Pisces, which is the medical version, Centurion, the Corsair, eh, the Cutlass Black, which is probably the only Drake I like, um, Eclipse, the Eclipse is sweet for reconnaissance, the F7C Hornet, the F7CR Hornet Tracker, the F7C Hornet Ghost, the Gladius, the Nova, the Prowler, which is still buggy. I would not recommend getting that drop ship yet, although it's really cool on the inside. Moving on. Spartan, the Storm, and the Storm Alpha Alpha. And really quick, for those of you who care about my hanger, which I know none of you do, <laughs> I did get the C1 Spirit uh, a couple days ago because I wanted just a really nice everyday cargo runner. And then, of course, the A1 Spirit becomes available, and I'm like, hey, I could use that as a bomber. But then I do this every time. I upgrade to the bomber, and I'm like, how how often am I going to be bombing something? But I lost all of the cargo that came with the C1. So then I melted it. <laughs> I bought the lifetime insured uh, mule from buyback. Uh, so I got that back and then I converted that lifetime insurance into the C1. So I'm back at the C1 again, but regardless, the A1 Spirit's a nice bomber. I just, how often are you gonna be bombing things? Real quick, war bond update. The Animal Ballista is a war bond update uh, and the Crusader A1 Spirit is a war bond update. So again, Jump Town is a shitload of fun. Go join an organization. Um, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal time. Inside Star Citizen, we're here. All things about the Idris. Um, this is what I wanted from a week ago when they announced Capture the Idris event. I just wanted to see the damn inside. Just wanted to see it. I did not want to deal <laughs> with, with taking it over and holding it down, although there are some really awesome stories that came from the community for those that were successful. But this Inside Star Citizen is amazing. Um, I want you to watch it. There's a lot of talking points. Uh, I'll try to describe the imagery um, from time to time, but for the most part, uh, John Crew uh, and Nathan do a phenomenal job in uh, describing the address. It's not coming out anytime soon. Maybe at the end of the year, maybe next year, uh, but you'll hear Jared Huckabee mention the the reasons, the barriers that they have to get through first, like resource management, just to name one, but resource management that needs to come online as well as um, what is, well, you'll hear him. You'll hear him say it. There's like three or four items. Server meshing needs to be involved as well. This is also a capital ship that involves like 80, you know what? I think it's like an 80 person ship. I'm just gonna go in here, ships. This is one of 
Idris. So this is the 28. I think the Javelin's the 80 person. But the Idris, the max crew, is 28 people. 28 people. Well, that's, I don't know, that's a quarter of the servers right now. So you're going to need server meshing, right? So anywho, let's uh, share my screen. Just quoting from Inside Star Citizen, what is the current state of the Aegis Idris? Join us today for a special director's commentary as we explore the progress on this capital ship from interior to exterior and beyond. Let's get into it. Last week was our inaugural Idris War Games test. And while that completed earlier this week with many lessons learned, and the ship itself is still awaiting important resource management, maelstrom, multi-crew gameplay work, and more before it'll arrive permanently in the persisting universe, we here at ISC still jumped at the chance to showcase the current artistic progress of the vehicle inside and out, as well as to enlist a few of our oldest friends in providing a sort of director's commentary to the proceedings. Here's how it went. Just a little bit of camera, so hi, I'm John Brook. I'm Nick Tuesday, part of the art director of 2042 era. Your new title. Uh, I've got, I've, I don't even know what I am anymore. <laughs> yeah. Shall I say that? Shall I say that? That'd be good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Nate. I, I've not got a clue what I am anymore. He's the one, go down the, well. one the one beef of the Should we week. do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get it Some in days I'm this, other days I'm that. What do you want to be today, Nick? I don't know what I want to be today. What should I be today? Yeah, I was the art director for the thing. There you go. Do you want me to go first? You can be my bloody guest, mate. <laughs> okay. Hi, my name's John Crew. I'm the vehicle art director. Hi, my name's Nate. Uh, I was the vehicle art director. We've been asked today to give you a little director's commentary over the Idris that you will have seen in the PU being fought over recently. So the exterior. Sorry. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you see me laughing. That, that was a really funny video. They're in the, <laughs> they're in the address. They're in like the, uh, the overlook. So you've got a, a worker on the overlook that tells um, a gladius that they're good to go. <laughs> so the gladius lifts up, lifts up, and starts to take off. And it, it, clearly the door wasn't open, and so it ran into the door and blew up. Uh, then you saw him like freak out and run away. I I don't know. I, I one of the reasons why I love Inside Star Citizen so much is because of the quirky kind of fun that they have in the production value for it. So I don't know. For those of you on podcast, it's a little bit easier to explain than than get why you hear all the laughing and blowing up in the background. So here we go. Back to the video. Yeah, this is this has had quite a few iterations over time in terms of not the shape. The shape stayed the same, but how like the breakup, the materials on it. Yeah, the, the engine thrust, the thrusters of. Yeah, the shapes remain pretty true. We did make amendments to the exterior to fit the interior in because the number of spaces that we needed for yeah. squadron sort of slowly increased. So it's a very tightly packed capital ship. If you look at the original concept, it was quite a thin ship yeah, as well. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it just couldn't fit everything in it. I think my favorite feature from the original one was the hilarious flight stairs that came down in the middle of the oh, flight deck. Yeah. yeah, I think that was my first fix. Then we're gonna fly into the, uh, the back of it, which is the way most players should normally enter the address. Landing gear deployed. 
can go in the front, but that'll be a bit. It's getting dark now, John. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> In Squadron, there is space for two Gladiuses, Gladii, uh, and there's a space for the Argon PV at the back, but you can technically fit three ships in here. Yeah, when you first land, you'll sort of notice that the, the exits for the hangar are generally sort of at a lower level. Uh, one of the things we do a lot of uh, throughout the ship, actually, is just slight, slight changes in elevation, even though you're on the same deck. Um, and the general layout um, is fairly symmetrical, I would say. The ship, when it was first put together, was really sort of, I would say, designed from the inside out. So there was a lot of amendments on the exterior to make the interior, you know, interior to me is always king. You spend a lot, more, a lot longer on the interior of the ship. So uh, we sculpted the exterior skin around that. Um, if you were to, to hide that exterior, I mean, there is no breathing room. It is no. like a bit of an engineering masterpiece, to be honest. This is where the uh, MPUV hangs from the ceiling. Skydiving also. Yeah, I've, skydiving. I've watched many people accidentally fall out the bottom of the address in that. It's a very, very cool um, functionality of the address. So the MPUV personnel is is top loaded so it's hanging from the ceiling and the bottom uh opens up so it drops the mpuv um into combat or into the operate not combat you wouldn't fight with an mpuv but uh <laughs> right yeah you would drop it into the operation whatever you're doing uh, but it's a very cool aesthetic i don't think it's done in any ship up to this point so that's a very uh, new nuance to the address atmosphere out that hole so d don't do that or if you want to recreate the alien dropship yeah. scene. It's Do pretty that. cool. The gravity room was originally upstairs. We had to shift things around through the process again, taking inspiration from, you know, real world scientific areas. That whole room actually closes into its own cylinder. You have to sort of open the door to, to sort of get in and you can close it behind you. It's quite a trip. And for all intents and purposes, unless you're going to your bunk or you're going to uh, very specific areas like the briefing room or the gravity room, which you've just seen there, there are no dead ends. Um, it, was, it was put together when I was on the ship and it originally sort of designed it. It was very much sort of focused around multiplayer combat. Uh, at the time, and a, you know, a good multiplayer map is is you've always got options. You've always got at least two options at every every corridor, every yeah, room. You're constantly flowing. Yeah. Around yeah. It. No dead end. So yeah, as you can see, I actually had a bug this morning come through about the uh, writing on the wall being shorthand. Oh dear. So it's spelled incorrectly. Oh. I was like, no, it's not. It's an intentional choice. So we've got the ATC room, which overlooks the hangar, which is obviously very useful for being an ATC. And uh, we'll come back later to the other side to see what's in there. There's a lot of decks to the address. Yeah, yeah. There's the sub deck in the Argo, which you you know yeah. you'd have seen, or the utility vehicle, I should call it. You've got your main deck. This is the sort of the main symmetrical area, and then through the heart, I would say the centre of that sort of floor plan is all of the, I would say, business side of the room. So obviously you've got your mess hall here. It's a chow line. So I will say this: um, I am not taking away from the address at all whatsoever. Uh, but if you've ever been inside of an Aegis 
Hammerhead. There's a lot of like design language um, emulation. So I don't know. Um, you'll see like the the living quarters, um, the mess hall that you're looking at right now. It's very reminiscent of the Hammerhead, which is probably why I love the Hammerhead so much. I love being in it because it feels like a military vessel. Um, so if you have that experience in the Hammerhead, that's basically what we're seeing just at a larger scale here in the Idris. Don't talk about the chat line. Sir. I hear roast lamb is still uh, on special. Yeah. Yeah. That's an inside joke, but yeah. <laughs> Sleeping quarters. Um, this is for your, your general crew yep. for the ship. The bunks have shutters on them, a bit more privacy. With inbuilt home entertainment system. So this is uh, two mirrored, I guess, solo cabins. Uh, the pilots get their own little area at the end. Which are about to get a little bit bigger, but you didn't hear that from me. So the, uh, the version that you're seeing here is taken from a point in time on Squadron recently, uh, but there are lots of little tweaks that we'll talk about in the future to deliver more of the address. Uh, one of them, the missile room, is a, a big one that's still to come uh, that is not available here at this time. Um, but there's, like Nate said, lots of other little tweaks as we get closer to shipping squadron that we'll be making. Again, inspirations. With regards to archetype for, for Aegis, it, you know, you can see there's a strong inspiration from some of my favorite 1980s movies through here. I like to see, you know, material break up, introduce tech, you know, textures, uh, leather, where we can do to make it feel a bit softer and more inviting as a, habit a good habitational area should be. And it's different for different ships, right? But when you're designing a capital ship, it kind of needs to tick all of the boxes. From a putting the ship together point of view, everything is modular. So you'll notice probably in the PU now, a lot of these elements uh, are reused in some of the Aegis ships, uh, simply because, you know, we try and put the ships together in a modular fashion. And the bigger the ship gets, the more modular it needs to be. You really want to avoid doing too much unique stuff because it will hammer your video memory. Because this was the, I would say it's the first capital ship we've done. It is the first, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it was really sort of, you know, genesis of, um, this was put into production actually around the same time as the Retaliator, um, many, many, many years ago. And it was at that time that we started to establish, you know, a really good understanding of how we want habitational areas to feel uh, and look, uh, feeling being a prominent feature. Engineering, again, um, completely different. You got the technology side of it and the medical side of it. So they became the sort of like four style guides, I would say, that became the, you know, the springboard for a lot of the other ships to sort of follow on from. Yeah, you, you see a lot of similar stuff in the, the Hammerhead, which actually uses a lot of the, the Idris kit yeah. as well. Different, different areas have their different technical feeling. You'll notice here, when you come in through the center of the, the med bay, for example, um, there are very, very, very little right angles. Um, when you look at the floor plan, for example, it, it generally dollies off at 45 degree angles or 60 degree angles. I, I don't like right angles in, in floor plans. Uh, things need to flow, as you can see there. You're going to get a right angle when you come out of one. There's a door, there's not much you can do about that. But uh, yeah, and it's all interweaved. You'll notice there's lots of windows that look outside. There's lots of windows that look back into the hangar. Um, so we're not doing any cheating escape pods here. Yeah, right at the front of the ship now. So this is the manned uh, turret at the front, the big one up top. And then lots of escape pods here for everyone that's in the sort of upper front half if things go sideways and you need to get off the ship. 
and back down starboard side, I have to do the bathroom ahead of port and starboard. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that, John, because um, navigation has been a little bit of an issue. So these corridors that you're running around at the moment, they're going to have a lot more of an injection of colour um, in the future. So you'll have a much better understanding of whether you're going forwards or backwards or whether you're on the left or the right. Worth noting as well, like all the spaces that you're seeing are completely undressed. There are, you know, tens of thousands of entities that end up on top of what you're seeing for Squadron because it needs to feel more lived in, it needs to tell that story. So it's kind of bare bones seeing it this way, which is kind of strange for me at the moment. Yeah, it, it was very strange when we were yeah. getting this ready for the PU to, to take off all those layers and yeah. sort of see it in a state that we've not seen. Plus also we're not seeing it with NPCs. Yeah. When you see this with NPCs and you know people walking around, carrying out their duties, engineers doing their things at panels or whatnot, it feels lived in, it feels alive. Um, but you know, hopefully when it goes into the PU, there'll be plenty of people running around anyway, um, which will make it feel very similar for you guys. Hamster balls, you want to get buff, go to the gym. I don't know what we had there originally, opposite the ATC, was it? It was the pilot? It was the pilot ready area, but we moved the pilot ready area down to the same level as the hangar, so you can get your gear scramble out as quickly as possible rather than getting your gear run down a flight of stairs falling down two yeah. flights of stairs um, and then sort of hobbling into your ship with a broken ankle then going further back we're sort of halfway three quarters of the way back yeah you got your sort of i think the crossover point here yeah you got two crossover points on the hangar now you're going to sort of come through and this is where a lot of the asymmetry comes in, although the, the footprint is sort of similar. You'll come through. On one side, you've got a brig, which is where all the naughty people go. And we have a lot of naughty people in the game. There's a security office in there. And on the opposite side of that is, uh, basically the opposite side of the ship, is the armory, which you'll see in a little bit. Big escape pods, so big shared ones rather than individual pods. You might have seen, as we've gone around, some big red signposted rooms. They, I believe, have EVA airlocks in them as well as sort of maintenance storage areas. So all signposted so you know in a hurry where to go. Then the main briefing room. Main briefing room, again, integral to squadron. This is where you're going to get your mission briefings and so on. That is so, so badass. Uh, not to mention like the RP flavor and everything else that comes with that. Um, during Invictus launch week, they give you the Javelin, uh, the Warhammer, to tour. And so when it's at your orbital station and it's docked, you're able to go on and see it. They have, and again, the Javelin is infinitely bigger <laughs> than, than the Idris, um, but the Javelin has a briefing room that you can go into and see. So Invictus Launch Week, go check it out. You can kind of get an idea um, of what they're talking about here. But I love the concept, like again, role-playing aspect of of the Idris is going to be phenomenal. Again, when you're looking at this through the lens of community, this is a community capital ship. All capital ships will probably be community, but for 28 of you piloting um, or operating this ship, um, imagine the org nights that you can have. Right, you start off in the briefing room, put all of your org mates right here inside of these uh, chairs, give them a briefing operation order. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy, but why else are you playing a space simulation? Right. So anyways, this is going to be an amazing aspect uh, to this ship. So love everything about it so far. It's a big ship. Yeah. There's a lot to it. I say there's a lot crammed in. Yeah. 
Now, now we're in the opposite side to where the brig was. So this is the armory and shooting range. Quite a bit of inspiration from uh, Robocop. Yeah, as you can probably all tell, I'm a bit of an 80s buff when it comes to the movies. When I had to do things for real, actually build things, it visually makes uh, quite a big difference to me as a, as a, as a visual kind of guy. That uh, firing range area is another one of the areas that has changed around a bit over time because it was, yeah, it was so, all, an all-in-one. I think it was on the other side as well. Yeah. I think we flipped it. And then we got into the logistics of, you know, what happens if you take your gun away from there? What's going to happen to you as a player? So there was, there was you know, you're not supposed to walk around a military ship with, with a firearm in your hand, basically. So, um, yeah, lots of minor changes there. More for the social experience. So this is above the rear of the hangar, not all the way at the back, uh, because it has two lifts that go down to, or one lift that goes down to the... Uh, two. Two? Yeah, oh, there's, one each one, side. there's one each side that connects with the hangar, so if you're bringing in um, supplies or getting ready to go out on a long, long journey into the depths of space, you can, you know, utility vehicle drops the cargo off and you can load up pretty efficiently. Decontamination area before you get into the what would be the engine room. And that's entirely new. Decontamination before engine room. Very different feeling like we talked about compared yeah. to the uh, the rest of the ship. Yeah, it's the thing with Aegis, we, we sort of looked at a lot of real world um, scientific, I would say, you know, hydrogen colliders, nuclear reactors. Uh, CERN um, was a big sort of inspiration with a lot of the paneling and, and general sort of feel. And that's continued in, in the gauntlet and um, a lot of the other Aegis ships that you'll, you'll see. And there's a, you will have seen them dotted around in all the corridors, but there's a lot of uh, wall panels that hold all the components. So whilst we do have some big capital size components like the in the engine room, there's a lot of sort of secondary redundancy with all these extra wall panels dotted around. So if one area of the ship goes down, it's not completely scuppered. You can still route power around. Yeah, it's the interesting thing in the original design document, John, where if life support systems went down on the rear of the ship, there was actually sort of like large bulkheads that close that section of the ship off. Yeah. So the rest of the ship can survive. So again, you know, thinking about sort of multiplayer aspect, um, if you were to try and ambush one of these things, I think there's going to be quite a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, those bulkheads, I think you, you probably will have seen some of them in the corridors uh, as big, we watch big yellow. Orange. Yellowy orange. Yellowy <laughs> orange, okay. The layout as well, the engine room you'll notice is pretty much, if you were boarding the ship from the hangar, pretty much the most well-protected room um, of the ship. Um, again, with that multiplayer feeling in mind. I think going off, do you remember Titan mode? Squadron, yeah. uh, not squadron, uh, Battlefield. Yeah. Really just trying to create this sort of layer up, up on layer up on layer until you get to the engine room to, to make that quite difficult to ultimately disable the ship. Like we talked about, there's a lot of flow in the interior, but there are those areas that have very distinct choke points to get to, like the bridge is one. Whilst there is multiple ways to get there, they're quite well defendable, and then the engine room is the other. So those are two, two areas you really don't want people getting to uninvited. Yeah. There's a few ways you can go 
up to the bridge. Uh, there's obviously this lift, um, but there is also a, a set of staircases either side. So you have these sort of tactical stations at the back, flanking each side, down on a lower level from the, the main bridge area. I think the uh, thing I'm, I would say, most proud of on the bridge, um, there's been a lot of rework done, but you'll notice here the view out. It's pretty spectacular. Removed the, what would be, so you know, beautiful. the frame, which went across the front of the, uh, the ship, so you got completely unobstructed views out to space. Um, but it still feels chunky and weighty, uh, which it needs to, which is, you know, a success. Yeah, that bridge is phenomenal. So that was a little bit of a director's commentary on the Idris, which hopefully you'll have seen and experienced as part of the event that's been going on in the Persistent Universe recently. And as great as the ship looks in the video and the events, there's, there's still quite a bit of work to do before we can give it to players to have for real. Um, things like resource network, multi-crew gameplay, all these things that make it an actual living, breathing capital ship that you want to run and own. That's, that's pretty much it for now. Yeah, to echo what John said, I um, hope you enjoyed what you saw. Um, you know, it's still a ways to go um, with regards to sort of delivering you know, the, the ship as a whole uh, for the PU. But I just want to give a shout out to all the teams that have been involved in working on it. I mean, the list is endless. Artists, designers, concept artists, lighting crew, social design, level design. I mean, it, it's huge. There, there is literally hundreds of people involved in um, delivering such an asset um, to yourselves. And, and we really hope with the limited time that you get it, that you really enjoy it. Yeah, I'd be surprised if there's people at the company that haven't touched it in some way or form over the years. Yeah. It's, it's such a big part of the uh, experience. So what we learned this week well, we learned that the Idris is a delight to behold inside and out, that it's benefited and continues to do so from years of iteration in Squadron 42, that there's still lots to be done beyond the currently fantastic art to bring the gameplay to it that it and its owners deserve, and that when all that is said and done, this is gonna be one heck of an addition to the persistent universe. For inside Jared Huckabee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, oh no! <laughs> is this the ship you've been looking for? <laughs> for Inside Star Citizen, I'm Jared Huckabee. Thanks for letting us share the process of game development with you, and we'll see you all here next week. Some weeks you have it, some weeks you don't. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Jared, get on the show, man. I'd love to love to have a conversation with you. Um, yeah, so you've heard me talk about it with Space Tomato. You've heard it several times on this podcast, and I'll say it again. I I truly think we are we are very close to Squadron Forty Two. The address is the ship that basically Squadron Forty Two runs off of. You, you heard it. You're going to get your mission briefings um, in that one room, and it's outfitted, and you're going to be living and breathing in it. Um, in squadron 42 like why else would you push this event and all the things idris in q1 of this year if it wasn't the theme of citizen con this year as a launch party for squadron 42 i'm more than likely wrong <laughs> i'm like 99 percent sure i'm wrong but man it, it is uh it is not so absurd to consider 
All right, we got some work to do with the Galactopedia update. Uh, I'm kind of second guessing whether or not to read every single article. I usually try to, or we postpone um, these to the next episode. But let me just share my screen real quick. This is the Galactopedia update. Again, like always, it's the one full length article and I think 20 short articles. The full length article is about the kingship. We're absolutely gonna be reading that right now. But as far as the short articles go, um, let's just actually talk through them real quick quick um, the kin system so it goes through all the moons and belt alphas and all that so the kin system the yulin system uh, and then it gets into the two pocs well really just the one poc but um, buloy satabo is the founder of the buloy satabo suli and then the mirai the makers of high performance spacecraft and we've done a lot of uh, reading and there was a jump point um Edition that talks about Mirai and its and its um, history. So, I might push those to a later episode. But let's go into the full length article uh, for Kingship. And I think first off, this image that populates right here that is such an amazing, amazing image. Imagine when you're playing Squadron Forty Two and you see this thing pop up. Probably shit yourself a little bit. But let's go, Vandal Kingship. Here we go. Kingship is a military designation for Vandul capital ships that serve as the apparent flagships of some especially large Vandul clans. The Kingship is the large type of Vandul capital asset encountered and is the most powerful class of known warship. Functionally, the Kingship is a dreadnought, fleet carrier, command and control ship, and assault transport combined in a single hull. They are very rarely seen and have only been observed during large-scale Vandal raids. When present, they operate with a large number of other craft, including ships of the line, support vessels, and screens of skirmishers. Xenoanthropologists believe that the possession of a kingship is a powerful symbol in Vandal martial culture, signifying a clan's power and strength. Construction while the method of a kingship's construction is unclear, based on scans of the ships and evidence collected from raid sites, they seem to have been built in zero-gravity environments with the aid of advanced technology. Kingship silhouettes can differ from clan to clan, suggesting that the ships are either custom-made or modified by the clan in possession of it. Clans may add weapons, armor, modules, and other pieces to the base ship as they conduct raids and grow in martial prowess. Encounters. Kingships have likely been in service for centuries, though their discovery by the UEE is relatively recent. The UEE first encountered a kingship on 18 February 2712 during the Vandal invasion of the Orion system. The kingship in question surprised Orion's defenders and immediately turned the tide of the battle in favor of the Vandal, forcing the UEE navy to retreat to the Tiber system. The Vandal did not continue their raid beyond Orion. Instead, the attacking clan kept the ship in question in orbit of the former human colony for over a year as it gathered resources. On 7 July 2884, a clan led by a kingship slipped past the Caliban system's sensor beacons and sparked the fall of Caliban, resulting in both the loss of the system and the 88th UEE Navy Logistics Support Squadron. The kingship re-entered Vandal space shortly after the end of the battle. 
In 2940, the UEE Navy severely damaged a kingship as part of Operation Unilateral Force, a covert military operation that intended to weaken a single Vandal clan and inspire infighting in the hope it would distract them from raiding human colonies. Though the overall operation failed to have the expected impact, the 78th Squadron succeeded in inflicting heavy damage on the kingship. A kingship did not appear in human space again until 5 October 2945 in the Battle of Vega II. The Navy's second fleet led by Admiral Ernst Bishop, that name should be very familiar to y'all, engaged the kingship and remaining clan. After a fierce battle, the UEES Gauntlet charged the weakened kingship at ramming speed. Both the gauntlet and the kingship were destroyed, marking the first time human forces have successfully downed a Vandal kingship. Impact The sheer mass, firepower, and mystery surrounding kingships has made them an object of extreme interest in the UEE. Due to their presence at key Vandal invasions of human space, they have become symbolic of the extreme nature of the Vandal threat. Human politicians frequently cite the threat of kingships as justification for increased military spending. Love the Vandal kingship. The aesthetics, the story, obviously in Squadron 42, this is your enemy. The Vandal are your enemy. It's also how that beloved video that we saw at CitizenCon ends. It actually ends with the first animation of the Vandal that we've seen to date. So, I don't know. Super awesome. It goes with my whole Idris conversation. Like They're talking about Vandal, which is nothing new. They've done it before. I'm just saying <laughs> the timing is like perfect um, for what I'm surmising. So, there you go, guys. I will go ahead and hold off on reading the rest of the Galactopedia until next episode, if we even get to it. But there's a lot of good information there. I love reading about the planet systems. Um, good information, but this is also information that's probably going to end up changing over time. Um, I just like it because it generates that speculation and a lot of good conversation. So, there you go. Well, thank you for joining us in episode 48. I almost forgot what number we were on. So thanks for joining us. I hope this has found every single one of you well. If you want to become part of the conversation, you can email us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com or get involved in the Spotify Q&A and polls at the end of every episode. You can also get involved in the discussion by joining our socials. And that's every social media platform forward slash BTV underscore cast. And you can watch this podcast on video replay over on YouTube at forward slash at BTV underscore cast. Well, again, I hope this finds you well. Safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Take care, everybody.